In today's culture, we are bombarded with headlines and news stories about extreme weather events. In the coming weeks, king tides will be rolling in across Oregon's coast. Now, this atmospheric river has already killed 14 people in that state. But how effective are these buzzwords in conveying important weather information? And it all has to do with that polar vortex we've been talking about. Which has been around forever, but it's become popular. Do they sometimes lead to fear and distrust? Overnight into Friday morning, the system strengthens into a bomb cyclone, producing heavy snow and strong wind as it moves into the northeast on one of the busiest travel days of the year. I'm meteorologist Emily Gracie, and you are listening to Off the Radar, a production of the National Weather Desk. On the show, we dig deep into topics about weather, climate, the ocean, space, and much, much more. Our goal is to help you better understand the weather and to love it as much as we do. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. On this episode of Off the Radar, we explore the fascinating world of weather communication. Today, we have special guest with us, Dr. Gina Esco, who will be sharing her thoughts on the use of catchy weather buzzwords in news and media. I've known Gina about 20 years. We go way back. We used to work together at the American Meteorological Society in Washington, D.C., where we used to talk about effective weather communication every day over lunch. I love watching her career take off over the years, and she's now a social scientist and risk communication expert supporting NOAA's weather program office. Gina's focus is on prioritizing social and behavioral science research needs within the weather community. Whether you're a meteorologist, a concerned citizen, or just someone curious about the way weather and language shapes our understanding of the world around us, this episode is for you. Join us as we dive into the world of weather communication and explore the use of catchy weather buzzwords in today's media landscape. Let's talk about these buzzwords. First of all, you picked the best career path to be in here because this is uh, very interesting, I'm sure, to study over the past couple of decades. So I want to talk about these buzzwords that people are um, really using and perhaps overusing. Is this new that um, this is happening, or is this something that's been going on for years and years, and we're just kind of talking about it now? Well, I think we have more mechanisms for communicating. If you think of weather communication 20 years ago, even the history of broadcasts, right, it's evolved. And so I think with so many new ways to communicate on social media, radio, TV, online, um, people are looking for new ways to describe the weather around us. And so I think there are just more opportunities for weather communication. And a lot of these words 
are not made up. They're weather terms that are in the AMS glossary and have been used forever and ever, but they're just making their way into public knowledge. Why is that? Is that the same reason because of that access to information? I don't know. Uh, your guess is as good as mine. Um, all this to say, I think there's a deep interest in the science. That would be my hypothesis, that there's an interest in it. And I think that's why I don't know whether it's positive or negative to use these terms. I think there's probably a spectrum. Um, I love that there's an interest in meteorology. I share that interest as well. And so maybe that's it. Maybe there's just a growing interest in, in the, the science of meteorology and the world around us. Are our attention spans getting shorter, perhaps? And that's why we need to use one big uh, explosive word rather than long explanations, like perhaps maybe a meteorologist might prefer to use. I don't know. I mean, that that's a good question. I think that uh, some people may prefer the technical terms. It may also depend on audiences. I mean, I'd love to hear from your audience, right, on what do they think. Um, I think that from the people that I've heard from, some people love it. They love because they feel really close to the science. Uh, I have an uncle who loves meteorology. Uh, he's not a meteorologist, but he wish he was one. And so he's really invested time in looking up that AMS glossary and learning what those terms mean. So he loves it. On the other hand, using those terms could also be, well, wait, what does that mean? I don't want to have to look up my weather forecast, right? I, I want plain language information so I know how to protect myself. And there's probably people everywhere in between. Um, so it could be good. It could be bad. We, we don't know until we hear from more people. Are there dangers in uh, using perhaps words that maybe are technically correct to describe weather? I think that uh, there are a variety of ways to communicate a forecast, but certainly there is research on uh, things called fear peels, you know, over worrying people about a risk. Now, having said that, in the, the field of meteorology, we are uh, concerned about saving lives and protecting property. And so uh, we would not want to overhype uh, the information, but we would want to provide the severity of information. And so it really depends on how an audience perceives that. Um, we have a responsibility to communicate information, but there are different ways to do it. Uh, and so, yes, there can be effects. Um, and that's why the field of communication research uh, is wonderful, because the field of risk communication uh, looks at some of those effects, uh, the effects of fear appeals. Sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. Uh, sometimes they can boomerang, if you will. That is, we have an intent to communicate the risk or perhaps you did not perceive it the way we intended, right? And so uh, it's best to evaluate and study and research this space so that we can optimize the message. And I should also say audiences aren't one size fits all either. Um, we're all different. <laughs> and because of that, I'm sure even your own audience, the audience listening right now, I'm sure there's a variety of opinions and, um, and thoughts about how a weather forecast should be communicated. So how do you whoop? What kind of advice do you have for an audience in finding correct communication rather than the most interesting communication, perhaps? Oh, that's interesting. I mean, on the one hand, um, there are a variety of right forecasts, right? I mean, uh, we need to communicate uncertainty. So there, there are a few features of a forecast that are particularly important. You need to communicate the risk. You know, what? what is the concern? You need to communicate the uncertainty surrounding that risk. You need to give the characteristics of it, the intensity, what will happen, the impact. 
And really importantly, we also need to empower our audiences for what to do. If I'm going to be exposed to that risk, how do I alleviate that risk at the same time? And there are a variety of right ways to do that, uh, right? And so I think that it once again, it's not one size fits all for the forecast. It's also not one size fits all for our audiences either. I know that you have been working on this for many years, lots and lots of research. I mean, 20 years ago, I remember hearing you talk about the cone of uncertainty when it came to hurricane forecasts. So over the past couple of decades, what have you really learned? What, where is this research leading us? Is it giving us concrete information? You just went through those steps. That's great. Is there anything else um, that we can learn from all the research being done? Well, we've definitely learned that communicating uncertainty is a very important component to the forecast. And um, I'd be interested again to hear from your audience. I wish they could talk back to me. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> but it's really important. And not that um, you always have to provide probabilities. But the idea is that we're we're providing a, a forecast. It's literally what it is. We're trying to predict the future. I mean, this is amazing, amazing science. And because the atmosphere has a variety of things it can do, we have the best scientists who look at that. It's important to communicate the uncertainty around that. Advice for media, for meteorologists that are on air trying to communicate this information and trying to balance being the first, the most interesting, the most impactful. It's a tough world out there. It's a competitive world. How do you balance? What advice do you have for meteorologists to balance giving that correct information without boring their audience and still trying to keep those ratings and keep that viewership? Yeah, I really appreciate that weather communication is multifaceted. Um, there are, it's part, you know, weather risk communication, but it also sits in its own industry and, and business. And so those components do have to work together. Um, in our, uh, with Castle Williamsburg and our paper about talking about message consistency, we talk about how weather shouldn't wear a uniform. In other words, imagine that every weather forecast was absolutely identical. That would feel a little, odd in some respects, right? And so again, weather, the same way people are different, the weather forecast communication can also have nuance as well. And what was found is that if the forecast, let's say you have a group of a broadcast meteorologists communicating the same event, right? What was found is that there can be verbal and visual differences. What there needs to be is an optimal amount of similarity, not the same though, not the same, an optimal amount of similarity. But what's most important is that the information shouldn't conflict with one another. Um, so when you have conflicting information surrounding risk communication, that can be concerning because then an individual may be confused. Well, what is my risk? What should I be doing? So it's very important. You can be different. That the forecast communication can look different but you want to make sure the essence of those forecasts are similar enough and have no conflicting information. So again, weather doesn't wear a uniform. People are all different. So it's okay to have some differences in there as long as it doesn't conflict. So the buzzwords are not necessarily a bad thing. At the very least, they're getting people talking about weather, which is always good, right? It's, it, uh, hey, I love to talk about the weather. I hope other people do too. Uh, I'm very passionate about the field of weather uh, risk communication. So yes, I, you know, like I said, it runs a spectrum of you know, some people may not want those buzzwords, some people may love it, and a spectrum in between. And so um, to that I say, I'm thankful we have a variety of sources communicating the weather so that people uh, can find a source that aligns with their liking. 
A big thanks to Gina Esco for that fun and informative chat. Off the Radar is a production of the National Weather Desk. Make sure you're following the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. New episodes publish every Tuesday. If you like this episode, please share it. And feel free to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify to let us know what you think of the show. You can also suggest new topics to touch upon in future episodes. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter. Just search The National Weather Desk. Gina loves hearing from the community as well, so feel free to search her up on Twitter. Her handle is WXCOM, C-O-M-M. This podcast is produced, hosted, and edited by me. Special thanks to Eric Newell and Richard Cook for their contributions. I'm meteorologist Emily Gracie. Make it a great day.